Hello, I'm Gail Gibson, accredited master coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode, I'm talking to Joanne Lockwood, inclusion and belonging specialist, advisor, keynote speaker, podcaster, and board member. Joanne is the founder and CEO of Sea Change Happen. She describes herself as an inclusion and belonging specialist who works with organisations throughout the UK, Europe and elsewhere to bring culture change that allows people to thrive and perform at their best from pre-hire to retire. Joanne is passionate about helping organisations to develop policy and best practice to be more inclusive for all people. By challenging biases, she helps them to develop a vision and strategy for conscious inclusion. With the aim of bringing about positive candidate, employee and customer experiences. As well as being a sought-after keynote conference speaker, Joanne is also a prolific blogger and fellow podcaster who hosts Inclusion Bites and is a regular columnist in the UK-based national newspaper where she shares her views on inclusion and belonging and creating environments where people can thrive. She lives by this wonderful mantra, smile, engage, educate, and that we should all treat people as they wish to be treated. So welcome to the show today, Joanne. Morning, Gail. Thank you so much. I, I love it when people read out my bio to that detail because I look at this and think, oh, that's me, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So first, if we can take a short walk through your life, Joanne, if you can give us a glimpse of your background and how you arrived at helping people thrive and perform at their best. Um. Well, to cut a long story short, I uh, I spent many, many years running my own IT company, um, 25 in total. And towards my late 40s, early 50s, I realised that I was getting tired, tired of IT, the service industry, the constantly being on call for people. I was getting really frustrated, really worn out, burnt out by that. And I was also getting fatigued with my gender identity. I had a conflict in my head for as long as I can remember. It's always been with me. And towards my late 40s, early 50s, it all came to a head. So I I think, you know, the, the flavour of this podcast is all about can do. Uh, for me, it became a must do. It, it became necessary for me to make changes to my life. And that included selling, my, selling the shares of my business to my business partners, exiting IT, putting that career behind me, in terms of supporting others behind. And I embarked on my gender transition, uh, middle of 2016, really, uh, you know, transitioning effectively, uh, early 2017 as I sold my business. So yeah, it was, uh, that's kind of a part of history at that time there. I was, I had a bit of money. I sold my business. I had some, had some funds from that. Not, not a fortune, not enough to retire. So I, I had to plot a course as to what next. And I, I didn't really have a master plan. I had a, 
a direction, if you like, a, a horizon that I wanted to aim for, but no no plan to get there. And that was around providing inclusion and belonging to businesses, to companies, uh, as a as a speaker, as a trainer, as a consultant. Uh, and that was as much as my plan went in 2017. And then I evolved as one does, as one gets into the into my gender, into my into my new career. I I evolved and it was a case, it was a journey. It was a navigating without a sat nav. It was just trying to figure things out as I went. And uh, over time, my sense of imposter syndrome faded in both my gender identity and my business. I was able to successfully navigate my family and I'm still married to my wife of 34 years and my two wonderful children. Um, I was going to say embrace me. They, uh, like any like any 20-year-old children do, they kind of tolerate their parents a bit. I'm, I'm, so, no, but seriously, my daughter, my daughter loves me. I gave her away at her wedding and uh, gave the, uh, the father of the bride speech to her back in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she loves a hug. I still call myself dad. I'm still dad to her. I always will be. And so that brings us up to that present day, I guess, does it? Yeah, just an evolution from that. Yeah, so that was back in the summer. So the present day is, as as you as you read out in my bio, I describe myself as an inclusion and belonging specialist, and I work with organisations throughout the UK, Europe, and elsewhere. And I am Joanne Lockwood. Yeah, that fantastic. is that is fantastic. that is where I am today. Yeah. And what a start! You know, you you've you've come from IT. You're now in training, and you're bringing about this whole awareness that is, I think it's, I've seen a surge of it, you know, in the leadership work that I do as well, this this big drive for inclusivity and, and bringing about not just as the buzzword that perhaps it used to be, but it's really having a huge impact in organisations now. And I think COVID has really illustrated that to a lot of us as well, that we need to accept, acknowledge and and listen and care for everybody that we are that we are working with, that we are, who are our stakeholders, who we are delivering to. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that, um, that whole idea of inclusivity, Joanne? Well, I think we were already realising as a society that inclusion was important. And if you look back over the last 20 months, the, the COVID era, if you like, we had uh, the murder of George Floyd. We had the Black mm. Lives Matter resurgence. We had um, certainly in the UK. We had a, a refocus on violence against women and girls. Of course, with COVID, we had to take a very person-centric view of individuals, their needs. You know, the, the mantra that we were talking about was "same storm, different boats." Recognizing not everybody had the same work from home experience, yet they're being pushed out. We had the the two tier, the the people who are furloughed in our in certainly in the UK, versus the people that were working flat out to keep the show on the road. So there's a, there was a whole load of different experiences, and I, I think that has kind of accelerated the need for organisations to feel that they're doing something in terms of being more inclusive. You know, going beyond the hashtags, going beyond Black History Month and mm. Trans Awareness Week, and all these kind of hashtags that we follow all throughout the year, and I think. The time for performative action, you know, i.e. companies just putting a rainbow on something or, or making some bland statements has passed. And now employees are starting to call their employer to task. Customers, brand advocates are also calling out customers where, where their brand isn't aligning. We've seen global brands 
making mistakes in terms of racism, in terms of sexism and whatever ism or phobia we talk about. And people are now realising they're going to get called out for it. So I, mm. I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of reacting to the stick, but the stick is, is, is there. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the companies are now realising that it does have an impact, a bottom line impact. And I think you've only got to look around in the world. and You look at the you know, COP26, the climate debate, the sustainability, mm-hmm. the, the review of plastics. All these are contemporary issues that are really important to the younger generation. So is inclusion, so is belonging, so is having a place in the world. And I, I don't think we can treat inclusion and belonging as, as a separate entity. I think it's part of the overall goal. And, and I talk about positive people experiences, be you an employee, be you a colleague, be you a stakeholder, shareholder, a customer, wherever you may be, it's about creating positive people experiences. And that's for me is about inclusion, belonging, diversity. It's not necessarily focusing on tokenistic approaches is is understanding the lived experience and the, and the experiences people have mm-hmm. to allow them to thrive in organizations and society we can't forget society because society is the baseline and organizations all work on top of that on top of those foundations mm-hmm. so we have to think about societal change not just the workplace change definitely definitely thank you for sharing that uh, your thoughts on on that topic of inclusion you you mentioned at the start there joanne that you had been running your business, your IT business for those 25 years, and you were getting fatigued by that gender identity, those are your words. So you're talking about this this rise and this acceptance in inclusivity in the workplace and, and people's thinking is changing. So was there a time in your, in those years where you were being fatigued by it, that you were facing any challenges? And if so, what were the challenges and how did you change or adapt or win through them and be able to thrive as a result? Oh, if we're talking about my IT life and my, my pre-transition, I, I often admit, I, I, you know, in terms of being honest about myself, is that I lived a privileged life. I was perceived by the world to be a straight white male and I, 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 I glided through with that privilege and I, I was... Yeah, we talk about the word woke. I was kind of asleep to the, the the world of injustice. I thought it was somebody else's problem, if you like. It wasn't my issue. And I think once I transitioned and I I became visible as an oppressed minority, for want of a better way of describing it, a, mm. a marginalised group, suddenly you you wake up. You suddenly wake up to social injustice. You suddenly start thinking about, hang on a minute, I now have to overthink my life just to be exist in the world and then you start extrapolating that to think about wow that means that other people also have had these obstacles to overcome that mm-hmm. i'd never even considered before so I, I i'm not saying i was ever i'm not putting my hand up saying i was a bad person i was just asleep asleep to what was going on in the world mm-hmm. and and that was i think the biggest change that i found is that i'm now more aware of the injustices that exist and the the lack of equity yeah and creating systems and processes that allow people to thrive is is, is kind of my drive because I, I i didn't want to just talk about me talk about being me mm-hmm. so promoting trans awareness is, is something i do do it's i do a lot of it but i realized that it's not just about me it's about everybody because if if one person can thrive everyone can thrive and you know I, i'm everybody if you like I mean, if 
we include everybody, I'm everybody. That That's kind of my mantra really is making sure that we create systems and processes so that everyone has that chance and opportunity. That, that, yeah, that, that idealistic level playing field, we keep talking about the levelling up, mm-hmm. we keep talking about bringing people up to the start line, giving people the opportunities to succeed. So that, but yeah, in my, in my previous life, I, I wasn't, I did a lot of social work. I, I, I was a member of clubs that we used to raise a lot of money. We used to donate a lot of funds. I was very passionate about supporting charities, volunteering my time, being non-exec directors of, of charities, etc. So I wasn't doing nothing to help the community. I just maybe wasn't doing it with any inner passion. It was, again, kind of tick box for me in my head. I was just doing something because it felt right. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to come to your your mantra at this stage, Joanne, which is three wonderful words, smile, engage and educate. And I want you to reflect for a moment on this whole idea of this can-do attitude, this can-do mindset that we're talking about today. So could you share with the listeners how how that mantra of yours shows up in your work and how you approach everything that you do with this strong can-do mindset? Yeah, smile, engage, and educate. It, it, in the early stages when I was going through my gender identity conflicts, I, I had, I had, well, I say two choices. I probably had lots more than two choices, but let's just think about two choices. One of them is that when I was engaged, when I was talking to people, when I was trying to seek support, I could either go in grumpy, go in hard, go in with a demand that people accept me and recognise me more of the sort of confrontational approach or I could go in with a a smile to engage with somebody and through that engagement I could educate so it's about creating that open dialogue that that warm experience with somebody so that you value their compassion and empathy as much as you 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 demand compassion and empathy You, you work on that building that emotional connection with somebody and then once you once you have that connection, people are far more willing to listen, engage, talk to you, understand. So that's that's kind of the smile, engage, and educate approach. It's is go into the world with a smile, have conversations, talk to people, meet them where they are to start with, and then hopefully share my story, talk about what what makes what makes them them, etc. So that's that's the smile, engage, and educate. The can do. Um, I was fortunate enough to be accepted on on an entrepreneurial startup scheme run by my local bank and that taught me even though I had a very positive mindset a very I would have thought a fairly can-do attitude all my life I was I was quite weak at that time you know bruised from the the sale of my business mm. the lack of identity who I was the imposter syndrome that's going on in my head around what I was doing in the future my identity all those kind of things all rolled into one and this entrepreneurial sort of a mentoring program it, it 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 refocused me and and I, I started to realize that my mind was the answer it, you know it, i think it's the old saying you know, if you believe you can or you believe you can't you'll be right and it was about taking responsibility for my own my own actions not pushing it back to anybody else you know if you miss the train i can't blame the train i always had the choice to get an earlier train to get up earlier, to leave the day before. So it's looking at those kind of things in life and not pushing blame 
onto the world or pushing blame on somebody else. I, I, it's about taking personal responsibility for my own life, for my own actions. I think that really helped me focus on just the way I engage with the world. I have to take responsibility for me, the way I show up, my attitude, the way I communicate with people. And I'm very focused on, you know, one of my mantras also is inclusion is how you make people feel by how you treat them. And I want to go into conversations with people. I want, you know, people who listen to this podcast to come away feeling positive about me, feeling positive about our interaction, feeling positive about the message I've given. So I always go into conversations, into training, into when I do keynote speaking and public speaking, my motive is always the same, to come away from that event where people feel better about themselves and have had a positive experience about the interaction with me. So that's the kind of the underlying message I always want to deliver is creating these positive experiences and being a part of that experience for people. Um, I don't always win. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can't always win everything. And yeah, again, there's a great saying that, you know, I don't like everybody because I know not everybody likes me. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. have to agree with everyone's opinion and therefore Mm -hmm. I don't expect everyone to agree with my opinion Uh, because opinions are perspectives and they're based on a whole set of circumstances and lived experience. So all I can do is share my perspective, share my opinion and not necessarily force people into my, my answer, if you like, to share my journey. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of my attitude, my, my can-do, uh, my mantras, and how I like to live my life. That's wonderful. You know, and I love you. I was just smiling listening to all of what you were sharing and, you know, where you use that wonderful, those words, my mind was the answer. And you said you took about learned how to take responsibility for your own thoughts and behaviours and actions. So when you when you went through that transitional process there by saying it is up to me and I am in control of what I do, think, stay, behave, what was one of the first things that you noticed about yourself that had dramatically changed as a result of taking that new approach? Um, I was going through a pretty dark time in early 2017 and I, I, I struggled to get out of bed. I cried a lot. I was approaching borderline depression. I would say, you know, I would never consider myself clinically depressed, but I was certainly not in control of my emotions and my my mental stability Uh, because I was trying to solve a a problem in my head around my gender identity and a lot of other things. But it was was kind of, I was trying to rationalise why I was trans. I was trying to rationalise that whole experience. And one day, I, I suddenly it occurred to me that there was no there was no answer to that question. There was a statement that fixed it, and the statement was, "I am, I am good enough. I am me. I'm I'm Joanne. I'm female." And once I didn't have to to question the question and question the answer, and I moved to acceptance, I just accepted who I was, without having to justify myself to myself or to anybody else that's when things started clicking into place. And that's when I noticed that I could apply that same logic to other situations. Again, my mind has the ability to react as it wants. You know, people don't tell me how to think. People don't tell me how to feel. I decide how I'm going to feel. I decide how I'm going to react. So it's about taking that personal responsibility for my feelings, my actions, and the impact I have on others in the world. So I think that's lent itself to my work but also my my personal life in my relationship with my family, my wife, 
my children and my and my close friends and colleagues mm-hmm. because I knew the the feelings I wanted them to feel about me and it was up to me to, to be the person that they would like I can't demand someone likes me I have to be likable to start with I don't have to I don't can't demand people respect my opinions I have to create I have to express my opinions in a way that people can respect them so again it's taking responsibility for how I show up and I I am the one that controls that and yes I can get angry I can get frustrated I can scream I can do all these things but at the end of it I go that was on me that yep. wasn't you didn't make me shout and scream you didn't make me get upset that mm-hmm. was on me I chose to react that way I could choose not to react that way so yeah. I, I'm very much more calm very much more measured than I ever used to be very much more respectful of my emotions you know, people talk about emotional intelligence and I'd like to think that I'm I'm not saying I am emotionally intelligent but I'm, I'm working on that journey I think we're all continuing to work on our life journeys you know but I think there'll be many listeners today who will take some of that um, experience of yours away and I loved how you you added that bit where you it was almost an awakening for you when you said those words I am and I am Joanne and I am and it was just, as you said, that that imposter syndrome was stripped away and you were in control and you you were holding the cards now and have the power to um, be the person that you want to be. So, so thank you for sharing that um, for the listeners. So I wanted to come to the, the time in the interview, Joanne, where I ask my guests to share with the with the audience, there are three can-do tips. So these may be things you live by. They may be uh, inspirational points that really motivate you each day to keep showing up and being the best you can be. So what are your three can-do tips? Um, these are three things that are important to me and do influence a lot of the way I think and act. First one is... Become friends with your imposter syndrome, become your inner critic. For me, it's my trigger to think, wow, I'm in stretch. As soon as the imposter syndrome, as soon as the that little critic kicks in, it means I'm in the stretch zone. If I'm in my comfort zone, I, yeah, I, I'm in control, but the critic shows up as I get into stretch. I never want to get into panic. We don't want to get into panic, but in the stretch zone, is, I mean, I'm growing, I'm challenging myself. If I have a little bit of self-doubt, it, it means to me that I'm in the right place. So I've learned that my imposter syndrome and critic is telling me I'm in the zone and I, I, I respect it, but don't let it control me. That's mm-hmm. so, sort of tip number one, if you like. Tip number two I've always used is, is, is the pay it forward mentality. And I don't mean pay it forward looking for a return. This is altruistic bank forward. So share my network, introduce people. Don't see people as competitors or threats. See them as opportunities. See them as, as someone to learn from or be inspired by. Uh, but no, you know, avoid things like jealousy and those sort of things. So paying it forward. And the mantra I often use is, you know, it's, it's, imagine standing in the middle of a park, a massive park where you can't almost see the boundaries, and you've got a boomerang. And you stand there and you throw this boomerang with all your might into the sun. And then you just turn around and walk away. And then one day, sometime in next month, next year, next century, whenever it may be, you hear this whistling noise in your ear and you just put your hand out. And at that moment, you grab the boomerang that's come back. You don't know where it's come from. You don't know how it's got there or what the route it's taken. But somehow 
that boomerang you threw all those all those years ago comes back and looks after you, whatever that may be. Someone gives you an opportunity, a referral, um, a testimonial, or or just smiles at you one day and recognizes you. So pay it forward with no without, without any expectation of return, but be ready to catch it when it does come back. Um, I think the last tip would um, What would my last tip be? My last tip would be, would be opportunistic. Be opportunistic. I think we have too often told that we have to start here and end here. We have to have our business journey. We have to have our business plan. We have to have all of this laid out. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have a good idea. But sometimes by saying yes often, it means we can get we can get involved with things that we may not have been involved with if we started with a no. So I think... That the message would be, be opportunistic, start with a yes, start with a, hmm, interesting, yes. And you know, as the quote goes, start with a yes and then figure it out afterwards. Um, and let your, let your imposter syndrome and critic deal with it. So yeah, number one, learn to love your imposter syndrome and treat it as a, as a sign you're in stretch. Number two is paying it forward altruistically. And number three is be opportunistic, start with a yes. Those would be, those would be my, my top three life life tips really. Thank you so much. I absolutely love your boomerang analogy. It's it's a great way of thinking about it because I think everybody understands that uh, little craft wood piece that flies and then sometimes comes back and other times it doesn't. But the way that you explained it for my listeners is it's just, yeah, what you give out and when you give it from the heart and it is truly a gift um, it is incredible what does come back in return. So thank you so much for those three wonderful can-do tips. And my final question for you today, Joanne, is why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Um, well, I first of all recognise that I am privileged to have a mindset that is positive. And I, I truly recognise that not everybody is has the mindset at this current time that allows them to think their way out or or talk themselves out of situations. So I recognise it's a, it's a privilege that not everybody has. So I'm not here saying that anybody can have a can-do attitude. It is a, it's an evolutionary process. But for me, having this can-do attitude, it's just part of who I am. I, I, I don't, to be honest, I'm not sure how to answer that question because it is just part of me. Um, I've I've been through situations where, as I said, I was depressed, I was crying, I was lonely, decidedly not in a good place. What I couldn't do, and I think I think actually, if I, if I look back, a few people phoned me up one day, just out of the blue, said, "How are you doing?" And that was enough to jolt me into a different orbit, just jolt my mind. Mm-hmm. I realised that the people were there for me, and I think that was the beginning of the evolution. So, it's important for me now because I remember what it was like when I couldn't. So having a can't-do attitude to having a can-do attitude, I can see the difference. So, yeah, I, I, it is important to me because it's who I am. But as I say, I, I recognise that not everybody has the same thought process and yeah. I wouldn't want to make anybody feel inadequate by by thinking differently. So, yeah, can-do attitude for me is important. It's, it keeps me going every day. So that, that's probably how I would sum it up. Good, good. And, and your message comes through loud and clear that it is all, all about 
that inclusion and that sense of belonging that um, we are all different people and we are all at different stages of our life journey and for some we have a strong can-do attitude but it is something that can be developed as well the growth mindset um, you can learn how to become less fixed in your approach and more growth focused so it is there for the taking yeah. um, and for the learning By for yes, all of us. Being opportunistic, being open, exactly. being yes. communi- a communicator and just mm-hmm. the power of, of, of saying yes is, is amazing. Yes. It opens opportunities. It does. Um, but that, that, you need to have your imposter syndrome in check. You need to have the power. So you need to have all of, there's a lot of ducks you've got to have in a line <laughs> to benefit from some of these things. So it's, it's no one answer. It's a kind of a, a leveling up of your your personal mindset. Mm-hmm. You can't just level up one element. You've got to kind of level yourself up even. It's like, I always say it's like playing Monopoly. You can't put the hotel straight down. You've got to put some <laughs> houses on first. And you've got to keep them all at the same number. And then yes. eventually when you've got all your properties up to a level, then you can put a hotel on. So I think it's a bit like that where you've got to level up your mindset in all the different metrics before you start trying to jump for the hotel. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Joanne. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today and to to hear about your journey and your inspiration for the listeners as well with your fantastic can-do tips. So thank you very much for being my guest today. Thanks, Gail. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do you live and breathe a can-do attitude? Have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience, or intriguing story to share? Always curious, and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive, and real.